Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Amen. 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 While you're still standing, I want you to say our theme scripture for this year. It's on the screen. Say it in your good, loud voice that you love to use while you pass the baskets. This is a multitasking church. If you don't like multitasking, you're in the wrong place. All right. Come on. Say it with me. It's on the, no, it's not on the screen, but just say it anyway. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Absolutely. Absolutely. City life is a family, and you're a part of it, all right? And if you're not, you should be. God bless you, and you can have a seat. One of the things that I encourage you as a City Life family to do is, as part of the family is we now have a project board out there in the foyer. Before we put up uh, the, the video wall that's going to eventually be there, we have a project board there. There are a lot, a lot of small needs, the various needs, all types of things that need to be, uh, that we need some, some assistance with. And instead of just doing constant announcements about them all the time, I'm asking you guys to please check on that board out there and, it'll, and some will be there to help you to, to sign up for more information on the various projects that are happening, all right? Well, go ahead and get your Bibles and your Bible apps out and open them up to two places today, Romans 12 and Psalm 25, Romans 12, 11 and Psalm 25, verse 4. You're on this earth for a purpose, right? Come on, you guys hear me say that all the time. Uh, ultimately, basically what you are is you're a foreign ambassador. You're an ambassador of Jesus because you're part of the family of God. So you're an ambassador of Jesus with a divine purpose on this earth to represent God's kingdom in the kingdom of this world, all right? And that's a really, really incredible thing that God's put, that God's actually set up for all of us. That's why he's put us in all these different places within the culture. But hear me well, you will never find total fulfillment in your occupation, in your relationships, in your hobbies, in your causes, in your life, unless you're living that purpose. You're living your purpose. You really won't find that total fulfillment. So I've entitled today's message, Living Your Purpose on Purpose. I want you to start doing that. And that purpose as an ambassador of Jesus, is to represent him and make him known on this earth until you are living with him in eternity forever. Now, guys, I'm just telling you this right up front. That does not mean that you're supposed to quit your job and come be a pastor. I'll just tell you right up front, you probably wouldn't like being a pastor as much as you think you might like it, just to be honest. Uh, unless you're called, then it, then it works. But you are to flourish in what we call your cultural street. You guys have heard me tell you about this, but your cultural street is a place where you live your life. Basically, or typically, there are one, two, or three cultural streets that every one of us, that's, that's where we thrive. That's, our, that's where we go, and, and that's family, business, arts and entertainment. It could be faith, government, education, health and vitality, but, but that is where you are called by God to thrive. You see, that, that cultural street is where you are to be an ambassador. That's actually the place that you make Jesus known. That's where you utilize your gifts of the Spirit. And I'm going to challenge you guys today. I'm going to challenge you to do so, to make Jesus known, to be this ambassador at the possible precipice of a major shift in our culture as we enter into this unknown COVID-19 outbreak. 
Now, I'll tell you guys, I don't know what the future holds, but I do believe it's going to get bumpier as the days go on. And I don't say that to put fear in your heart. I'm just saying, let's, let's be sober and wise, all right? Last week, I shared with you my 10 thoughts on COVID-19, and that's on the City Life app. If you haven't been looking at that, look at that. And, 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 but I'm sharing with you today about how to live your purpose in the midst of something that we've never seen in America before. Um, at the moment when America started quarantines a few weeks ago, I recognized something that something was up that was very different because quarantines have never happened in my lifetime. And, um, and I, I knew that we were about to move into a period where we were going to have to engage our faith like never before. I remember talking to you guys about this where I had a whole sleepless night <laughs> uh, of just of, of concern and about this way back at the beginning of February. And, and if this becomes what many says it will, this is going to be one of those once every hundred years types of what you would just call a plague, or they call it, you know, we have the word pandemic now. But throughout the history of Christianity, throughout the, throughout the past 2,000 years, here's the truth. Christians have pressed through every major occurrence like this. Okay? We stand on history. In fact, I'll tell you this, I believe our greatest opportunity to shine and allow Jesus to shine through us is here now and it's in the, in the days to come. I want this, I want my Father God, when I stand before him, I want him to say, well done, good and faith-filled servant. Don't you? I want that. I'm telling you guys, now's the time to activate your faith rather than hide your faith and retreat. And what do we do? Is we go to the word of God for answers and solutions. Uh, Christians have done this for centuries. Every time these events happen. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 13. God tells his people this. He says, when I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people, here's the if, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This is 100% true. The scripture says that when things like this happen, God's people get a choice. We do. Our land can be healed if we humble ourselves, pray, seek the face of God, and turn from wicked ways. And I'm telling you guys, I believe God's word with all my heart. And so what we, as individuals, we need to do this. As families, we need to do this. As a church, we do this, and we pray with faith. Faith, one of the things we, we should be doing regularly is pray, begin praying for a cure for this. Pray for healing. Pray for wisdom for the officials and for the leaders that there will not be a spirit of confusion, all right? If, you guys, if I catch any of you guys out on social media criticizing and causing more confusion, I'm gonna just go over to your house and spank you or something like that. <laughs> I mean, come on, I'm telling you guys, we're Christians, we don't do that stuff, all right? Be wise and trust God in the middle of difficult times because these difficult times might just be around the corner. I don't know, but they might be. Before David was the king of uh, Israel, 
he had been seized by the Philistines and he was in this town called Gath and it wasn't a good place to be. I mean, that's where the Goliath was from. Not a good place to be, you know? It's a really bad place and he was, he was in this horrible situation and, and he was stuck there with the very likely uh, eventual situation he was gonna go into was torture and then execution. This is before David was king. He was at this really, really low point and during this time, while he, while he was incarcerated, he wrote a song. And that song is still there for us. It's Psalm 56, verse 9. And I want you to look at this. It's on the screens. David says, The very moment I call to you for a father's help, the tide of the battle turns and my enemies flee. Wait a minute. He's saying this when he can't see any of this happening. You get that? He says, this one thing I know. He goes, I, I don't even know what's going on here, but I do, I do know this. God is on my side. I trust in the Lord, and I will praise him. I trust in the word of God, and I praise him. And then he says, what harm can man do to me? When God is on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. My heart overflows with praise to God and for his promises, and I will always trust in him. I don't see him cowering in fear, do you? No, no, he's full of faith. He's not psychologically manipulated by the circumstances or what he's reading on social media. I'm telling you guys, that must be our position today. In fact, David was living his purpose in the dark space. Part of his purpose was was to be a musician and to create this poetry and this music that we would still use today. We even sang some of his words this morning. He was doing his purpose in a very, 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 very dark place. I love that. I think we should do the same thing. I, I'm, I, I don't know what the future holds, but as followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility to bring peace and to bring help and to bring hope to our nation at this time. In fact, why do we exist? If we can't do that, why do we exist as believers? What are we really doing? And if we're serious about making Jesus known, then we have an obligation to bring peace, hope, and healing because we're people of faith. We are the agents of God's goodness and his life in this world. So I'm gonna tell you guys, live your purpose like never before. Don't hide, of course be wise, but don't hide and be full of faith. <laughs> don't let the contagion control you. In fact, I have a little statement I want you to get in your heart today. It's like people, here it is, people who are living their purpose are contagious with the life of God. I want you to be contagious. Do what the scriptures say regardless of the times. Simply be who you were created to be. Live your purpose on purpose just like David was. In the days ahead, I'm saying stay active on your cultural street. Some of you, you may, it may, have, you may have to get kind of creative with it. But I'm telling you what, the Holy Spirit, isn't he a creative God? That's why he gives us these things that are called the gifts of the Spirit. And, and so we utilize that. But... I'm, I'm asking you to not just be doing what God has commanded you to do, but I want you to be what God has commanded you to be. There's being and doing, and those are actually two very different things. In other words, here it is. Christian activity is not the same as Christian life. It's different. In, in, in reality, it's easier to do Christian activity than to live a Christian life. It is. Uh, 
I'll tell you guys, I love my roots. I, I really, really do. But I grew up in a church cult- culture where there was a lot of fervent, passionate Christian activity. And, and we have that here too. But I mean, I'm telling you, it was like fervent, passionate Christian activity. I didn't see a lot of Christian living though. Uh, see, see, the people in my church were very passionate. They were very fervent. And I was like, okay, that's fine. They're even, some were very, I mean, quite animated. I, I, like a friend of mine would show up at church. I'm going, oh, God, I just pray that Mrs. Jones doesn't do this. <laughs> and we didn't, nothing was Mr. or Mrs. It was a brother and sister. I mean, we actually kind of understood the family of God back then. And I knew this is, <laughs> these are some of the people I was going to be in heaven with. But, oh, God, please, 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 let today not be the day. And, uh, we talked a lot about the gifts of the Spirit, but we struggled with 1 Corinthians 13, which is the meat of it, you know, how it's supposed to be expressed. So I'm trying to tell you guys, some of the meanest people I've ever known were in church. Don't say amen on that, because we don't want that, but you're like, yeah. Or you're, actually, you're saying yeah, because you've experienced it. Hopefully not here, all right? But, but I mean, people would prophesy and speak in tongues and protest evil in the community, but I was scared of them. The reason I was scared of them because I was in the home of the pastor and so I saw the other side of these people. I watched as many times my parents were assaulted verbally, uh, sometimes directly and sometimes indirectly through gossip. And, and it got me to the point when I was about 16 years old, I want, I, even though I had a call of God in my life to be a pastor, I wanted nothing to do with the church. I saw it all as being fake, phony, and shallow. I knew God was real, but the rest of this stuff, I don't know what these people are doing. <laughs> spirit-filled Christian activity, but not much spirit-infused Christian living. And I'm calling us to do both. And it's time for us to make Jesus known like never before, all right? And in order to do that, we've got to be Christ-like. Jesus said this. He says, by this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I'm asking you to exude this love of God, especially to those who are closest to you and within the family of God, because the foundation, listen, the foundation of living out your purpose is actually to love other people on purpose. And when you begin to do that first, instead of trying to do everything else, you'll find that it is a whole lot more simple. See, what you actually do on your cultural street doesn't feel like a spiritual obligation anymore or some type of a task, something you've got to check off. And, I, and, I, and I'm calling you guys in the midst of potentially shaky times to be vibrant and faith-filled and grace-filled. And you're going to have to ask, we may have to ask God for it every single day, but really, isn't that what God asks of us to call on him? I want you to, we're going to rely on the unmatchable power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And I want you to be obvious about loving God and loving other people and living life to the full. Continually just, just working on focusing on, on how you can fulfill the Great Commission uh, wherever it's needed and whatever cost. And, and at the same time, refuse the ugliness of gossip and discontent within the family of God. Let that never take hold in this church. And may it never take hold in the churches across this area, in this region, so that this city can become a powerhouse for the things of God. Be winsomely outward-oriented. Be alive in Christ. Remember this. People who are living their purpose are contagious with the life of God. 
Now I want you to look at Romans 12, 11 that I asked you to turn to because I'm challenging you today to have this fervency that draws people to Jesus and, and to let your love and, your, and your, your passion be obvious and to be contagious with the life of the Holy Spirit. Psalm chapter 12, I mean, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 11 says it this way. Paul says this. He said, never be lacking zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. I'm not talking to you guys about doing some kind of fake enthusiasm where you're gonna put on a happy face, get up in the morning, fake it till you make it. No, don't. You're not proving to anybody that you're spiritual like that because that's kind of like what I went to like at church. Like, oh, we're so glad to see you. Oh, thank you, God. And I was like, what? No, it's living in passion even though you're facing disappointment or sorrow. And I'm not telling you guys, that is actually quite beautiful. I have a lot of respect for people who I've seen so many times people who have hope in the middle of heartbreak and, and how they can find a flicker of light in the darkest of circumstances. I've seen it over and over and over. and We have that in us, and that's the Holy Spirit. And when you begin to do that, you're living your purpose on purpose. I want you guys to thrive on your cultural streets, and I want you to serve God with gladness because God's love compels you to do so. You were born into the family of God. That should burst forth from us. One of the most intriguing Christian uh, uh, characters in the scriptures is a, that, that, uh, uh, that did this actually really well. His name is Apollos. Now, as I was preparing for today's message, I've always loved Apollos, I, but I just realized I probably have never preached on Apollos. I've just always loved him. And, and then I started thinking, I've never heard a sermon about Apollos. I mean, one of these days, I think I'm just going to do a whole, whole Apollos sermon and talk about the example that he was, but today's going to kind of change that because I'm going to talk about Apollos for a second. Uh, Apollos, which is a, a Greek name, you recognize that, I'm sure, he enters the narrative of the early church in the book of Acts. And at this time, the church is growing and it's expanding. And in Acts chapter 18, verse four, we read this. And I put this on the screens for you. Now, follow along with me. It says, meanwhile, a Jew, okay, named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, that's important, he came to Ephesus. So he went from Egypt all the way up to Ephesus, which is, uh, we went from below the Mediterranean Sea to above it, in other words. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew of the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. This is in Ephesus. Now, when Priscilla and Aquila heard them, these were some Greek people that were, went to that, that synagogue, and, and this, it's, a, it's a couple, Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I've always thought it was really interesting. I'm sorry, this is a side note here. I've always thought it was really interesting. Priscilla and Aquila, did they, did like, did they try to match up their names or something like that to be the cool couple? Because it, it kind of works. Hi, 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 I'm Aquila. This is Priscilla. Oh, you guys planned that, all right? I don't know, but when, but, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, 
they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. They took the preacher home and taught him some more stuff about God's word, okay? So when, when Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. And when he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving that from the scriptures that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. Okay, now, this is incredible. This is a man who's actually living his purpose on purpose. So Apollos was an Egyptian Jew from Alexandria. Now, that tells us a lot right there. Alexandria at that time was, a bit, was the big, bustling, most cultured city in all of the Middle East, okay? Um, he was a citizen of this intellectual epicenter of the Middle East also. Uh, it was a place where Greek culture and philosophy was, was celebrated, and it was debated publicly. And the, and the intelligent people who, who understood this, they rose to the top. Apollos, it says he was educated as an orator. He knew how to use rhetoric, and he was also spiritually alive, which is what I love. See, the scripture tells us, uh, the, the scripture that, that we read, it tells us um, how he was elegant and how he was also mighty in the scriptures and how he was instructed in the way of the Lord and how he was fervent in spirit and how he spoke and taught the things of God accurately. He spoke boldly. Are you getting the picture? Now, I believe also, this is my personal belief, but I believe that Apollos wrote the book of Hebrews. It has an unknown author. Most people attribute it to Paul. I never have because I've read all of Paul's letters. And the, the, and the writing style is totally different. Like, how do you all of a sudden change writing style to, to this? I, my, my writing style stays the same unless somebody else takes my stuff and rewrites it. But I believe Paul, Apollos is the writer of the book of Hebrews. He was trained under Paul, so his theology sounds like Paul, but his writing style is a highly educated Greek rhetoric. That's what you find in the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is actually, the, the, we know this, whoever wrote Hebrews was a very, very educated person in, in, uh, in the Greek language and, and in Greek rhetoric. Uh, see, Paul's writing style was more conversational. So here is, very likely, the writer of the book of Hebrews. And he pops up here. Here's our introduction to him. We hear about him in other places as well. But he wrote an intellectual masterpiece. And as bold and as educated as this man was, Apollos, at the same time, was very, very humble. You should catch this. Because when Priscilla and Aquila approached him and, and showed him that he needed to update his teaching a little bit, you know what he did? He received their correction. Now, keep in mind, Priscilla and Aquila, even though they have cool names, they were not high society people. Uh, they were very simple tent makers. They made tents for a living. Why would a highly educated, culturally astute person like Apollos go and hang out and listen to and receive from lowly tent makers. Well, here it is. I believe this. It's because he had the way of God down, not just the word of God. See, he was well-educated in the way of the master is what the scriptures say. The way is different than the word. It is. See, the way is how you act and how you behave. It's how you treat others. And that is ultimately what draws people to Jesus. That's actually how you thrive on your cultural street right there. And it caused him to thrive. Many people know the word, but not the way. 
You might be able to talk people into a corner theologically and, and make them feel like they don't know nothing and make them feel really bad. You can show off your scripture and your knowledge and beat people up with it, but your attitudes and your actions toward those people are so messed up, I'm telling you, you don't know the way of Jesus. I, I, believe, I believe we should all be strong in the word of God. I do. Um, I believe we should operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but without the way of the master, 1 Corinthians 13 basically says, it all becomes brash and harsh and abrasive. It's noisy. It makes you want to plug your ears. And I'm telling you, that's like what I saw in church as a kid, and that's, where, that's what we cannot do. We, we won't do it here. We don't do it here, but we won't do it here. We certainly don't want to do it out there. Because what's going to happen when you're that way, you are only going to attract other brash, harsh, and abrasive people. Right? So, if you're going to live your purpose on purpose, you absolutely must display the way of Jesus, Jesus' way. And his way is this abundance in the fruit of the Spirit. See, the key to being spiritually alive is to abound in love and joy and in peace. It's about being intentional about displaying patience and kindness Uh, gentleness. It it means that you're going to be faithful. It means that you're going to be meek. It means that you're going to get yourself under control. That's good stuff. That's doing your purpose on purpose. You're living out your purpose, doing your thing, but you got to do it a certain way. It's the way of Christ, and that is going to attract people to Jesus, especially during these times. Now, I want you to look at that other passage in Psalm chapter 25, verse 4. Back when I was in college, I found a scripture one day, uh, it was during my sophomore year, and it became a theme for my college years. In fact, I remember the moment, I remember it so clearly. I remember sitting in my dorm room, I remember sitting in my chair and having my, my Bible open that my dad had given to me for college, and, and I had this, this wax highlighter. I didn't, you know, those highlighters were just getting started in those days. I had a wax highlighter that wouldn't bleed through the pages, I was so proud of that, and, and I found this scripture, and Wow, I'll I'll never forget that moment when this 19-year-old young man was halted by God. And I felt God challenging me at that point. I felt as if God was saying, Tim, I don't want you to just get an education here in this college, but I want you to walk in the ways of Jesus. I felt God saying, many of your people here, they're going to learn all about what you're supposed to have in your head and what you're supposed to say. But they're gonna miss this part and I don't want you to miss this part. It's funny because I never had any courses in this in college, which is fine. I think you should get it. College is for education, right? I felt the Holy Spirit saying, just, just riveting me on this. I remember my eyes filling with tears and I said, God, I want this to be my theme for the rest of my college career. Psalm chapter 25, verses four and five says this. It's a prayer. It says, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. I I took that and I wrote it down on a note card and I kept it in my pocket until I had it memorized. Because I knew I had some rough edges. But I also believe that I was, if I was intentional, if I was intentional about the ways of Christ and not just the word of God, 
that I could truly thrive, and I wanted that, and I'm calling you guys to do the same today. Living your purpose. It's always being spiritually alive, and it's really more about seeking the ways of God. I want you to begin to search out the ways of God. You can do this, church. Search out the ways of God and walk in them. Be intentional about it like Apollos. Be intentional about it like David. And as we move very likely into some very challenging days ahead, this is how you live your purpose on purpose because pride brings a person low. But the lowly in spirit gain honor. (laughs) See, honor doesn't come to people who pridefully demand it. It comes to people who are lowly in spirit. In other words, people who operate in the fruit of the spirit. As we move into this season of unknown in our world, we need to be like Apollos and operate in faith like never before. You need to. Live your purpose on purpose. What is your purpose? Again, it's very simple. Making Jesus. No. It's displaying his life and love and power. It's being a person of faith. It's being an agent of grace. It's being a, it's being a Christian in your activity and in your life. The way of God. It's how to live your purpose on purpose. Get this in your spirit. People who are living their purpose. Now you understand it. It's a lifestyle. When you're living this, you are contagious with the life of God. I want that for you. I want that for us, the ways of Jesus. And, I, and so I, mean, I want to encourage you, get, get some joy and love in your heart, regardless of what's going on around you, and be contagious with the life of Jesus. I'd like to take just a moment and ask you to close your eyes for just a moment with me. You might be here today and you have yet to surrender your life to Jesus. The ways of Jesus comes about by his spirit coming into us. Possibly you've drifted from relationship with God, but if you want to know more about this Jesus that I'm talking with you about, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. And respond is very simply by lifting your hand knowing that Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. He died for you so that you can have life and life to the full, and today it is time to live. So if you want to be included in my closing prayer, make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Surrender your life to Jesus. At the count of three, I want you to lift your hand so that I can see it. I will connect my faith with yours, and then we'll pray together. Is that you? We need to have your sin forgiven. Come to Jesus. Lift your hand, one, two, three. Lift it high for me so that I can see it. And I want to pray with you today. Thank you. Here's what I'd like for us to do. I'd like for every person in this room to stand with me. And if you're praying this prayer, if you're praying this prayer and you, you are giving your life to Christ, I want you to pray it with faith right now. Come on, will you pray this with faith? Congregation, I want you to pray it. Everyone in this room, pray this as an, as an encouragement to those who, who may be needing to take this step right now. Come on, pray this with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the son of God. Please forgive my sin. Because it's time for me to live. I give up my past. And I embrace the future that you have for me. Thank you for giving me purpose. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Welcome to the family of God. You made the right decision. You did. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, 
health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.